What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Coming off yet another suspenseful game. The Dogs were up in Chicago fighting the UIC Flames in a fight that it was. Honestly, it was way too close for comfort. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, there's a stat here from Luke Martin. Since we last played Drake, and we'll talk about the Bulldogs at the end of this, the six games there were three and three in those six games, and all six have been decided by a combined 17 and an average of 2.8 points. It shows again that, you know, this is not only a rough stretch for us since then, and we've been talking about it, and it definitely continued this past Saturday afternoon. Again, in a game that we know UIC fights is hard, but it's just the way you're playing, you had to make sure you like made a statement in this one on the road or not. And, they fought with us way too hard, Noah, and we thought if we lost this game, heads would roll, and I think they got lucky in the end. What's going on? Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, – we know how the games so far, once they joined the Valley, have went against the Flames, and um, I didn't watch a lot of this. I tuned into Luke Martin and Ronnie Watson because after the first – once I seen how the game was going to be called, I knew it's going to be a while, and I, I turned it off to listen to see what those guys had to say, and – it just so happened John Stigliano, Brad Gaston, and Jeff Campbell, the three referees, decided to make it a what I call the Chicago Marathon and wanted, wanted to make us sit and watch this game for a while or listen to it if you're listening to those guys. So um, way too many fouls called. I mean, what? like I said, I turned it off in the first couple of minutes just to see, just because I seen how they were going to call this game. And I just know how these two teams play, and I knew it was going to be set up for a long, tight ball game. Yeah, and we were saying amongst ourselves, and I just remember saying, it's like, I don't remember, and that was by the end of it with the fouls, but 55 total, it just seemed like an amount that I've never seen. I seemed like it could be a Missouri Valley record, and we know there's been tons of games in basketball ever that have fouls like this, but it's not something we're used to. I want to say Luke had a stat on it. I'll find it here at some point. Um but you're right. From the get-go, you kind of knew, and it was the touchy fouls. It was literally on both ends, literally right away, I want to say, just touchy fouls. We know X has been on the receiving end of getting those kind of touchy fouls. And, I mean, you knew right away, but I just I just wouldn't think that it would continue. And we were talking, and you said, and it's true, like we want consistency from referees, but it's, it's one thing to literally – I don't know, obviously being consistent with calls that don't seem to be correct – just makes you mad and you know by the end of this game the two star players on each team made it to where you know the offense for both ways was I'm going to get fouled and go to the free throw line because both these teams struggle to score us you know them more than us but we know the run that we've been on as a team and how much of a struggle it really has been that it it got down to that say hey if this is how it's going to be played let's play you know a call let's play this way and that's honestly sad but um you know, again, it came down to the very wire. It came down to that one final stop, and and that it came. It came down to a pivotal out of bounds call and stuff like that in this game. And at at the edge of our seats, you know, the UIC guys were, were on the call. They were biased as usual, and we know that. He, I guess our broadcast would be biased too at home. We never get to watch it. We're always there. Mike Trudes of the world, you know, maybe they are, but it was hard to watch on TV in that sense. But. Uh, the fouls were definitely the main part of this game, along with, again, two-star players scoring 29 and 28 apiece. And uh, before this, we found out throughout, and we obviously knew some people that were at the game. 
We talked about how we went last year. It was really fun. And it seemed like we should have went this year because not only Cash Coupette, alumni from a couple of years ago, everybody knows. We Apparently, he's still on the Windy City Bulls. We've talked about him in the last couple of seasons. And him doing that, he was showing out uh, for the team. Not only him, but if people follow like Barstool Sports, uh, Big Cat, Dan Katz was there. Our friend Sam uh, Donuts got a picture with him and just cool atmosphere, you know. And again, it was, they call it Saluki North. There were a lot more SAU fans than that. So we wish we would have been there, but some good people in attendance for it. And, uh, you know, at the start of this game, it was great seeing, you know, Clarence get going. I mean, he was, it was really, everything was ran through him at the start scoring wise. He was, you know, looking like the, the version that he kind of has been lately of, you know, he can really do it all on offense. You know, he 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 kind of thinks himself, you know, he's like a guard. He has like a guard mindset in some of the things he does. He was honestly scoring at will, but it was way too close for comfort. Okani came off the bench for some reason in this game. But, um, you know, Kennard made a three to get, you know, on the scoreboard because he has it consistently. But it was really Isaiah Rivera a lot of the time as well. And, no, it was way too close until near, like, I guess the final. It was just – like I said, back and forth, fouls galore to this point, travels galore, turnovers galore. That's another thing at this game. But, you know, we it was close until it wasn't. They had a nine-point lead there for the latter stretches of the second half, <clears throat> excuse me, until we made it close and made it how it was at the end there. Uh, in the first half, and like I said, Clarence started really well, and then X picked him up, and then X was just living at the free throw line. What else, like, you know, like I said, it was close until it wasn't. Like, they were – they got – like what went wrong on our end to make them have this nine point lead to where it was like, you know, clearly there's a whole half left, but it's, you know, you, you just, I don't know how you dig yourself a hole against a team like this. Why was that? What else stuck out to you in the first half? Yeah, obviously a lot of turnovers. I mean, I think we ended up with up in, up close to 20 again, I think 18 uh, was the final total and just struggling with turnovers. I mean, we've seen it all year long and they just come in, come at the wrong times and you can deal with some turnovers here and there, but a lot of turnovers and we really get really let Isaiah Rivera get, get going in this first half. And he was awesome in the game. I think he ended up close to, I think 28 points and just let him got going. He got to the line just like X a bunch. So um, let him find his rhythm. And it was a tough matchup for Trent Brown. I mean, we talked, I talked about it on the recap after, uh, we played him down here. Well, I, he's just going to take him to the post, and he did that a couple times. And he got in rhythm, and he led this. He led the Flames team in the first half. Um, and with our turnovers mixed in with some foul trouble here and there, not a lot in that first half, but got really bad in the second half. But in that first half, letting him get going, then other guys contributing with Pickett, finding layups here and there, then – a little bit of a punch from O'Connor off the bench. They got that lead pretty good. Yeah, and then again, we we kind of we got it to a low score. Like I said, it was it was really free throws until AJ had a put back, you know, around the buzzer to t- make us only down four points. Thankfully, but yeah, Isaiah had nineteen points, and he ki- he's killed us in the two matchups, and even foreshadowing the potential of playing them again. It's like you got to somehow try to stop this guy, and we can't do it, and. You're right. You said in the, in the in the first matchup, and then text me during this one. It's like you know Trent can guard a lot of people. We know this, but not too many guys that have a skill set like Rivera, who are also like that much bigger than him, that are really aggressive. And 
back him down, score. It was kind of that easy. And um, that he was pretty much all that was for UIC. You mentioned a couple other guys that scored. They shot 55% UIC did. So, uh, and then on our end, yeah, X11, Clarence had nine. That's what he ended up for the game. He didn't shoot. He only had like eight minutes in the second half. But, you know, the – the uh, why, well, and we'll talk about this game as well. The depth showed in this one, Thank you know, due to the foul trouble. I mean, Troy ended up fouling out with only, you know, four points in this game. He was the only one that did. But, like, Clarence was in foul trouble and he didn't – like I said, eight minutes in the second half, didn't score, didn't shoot. But he had the nine, X had the 11. AJ, we know he had one point in the last game. Needed more, and we would have won. He had seven in the first half here, ended up having a big game uh, in that. So, again, it's like, okay, you're only down four. Let's just see what happens. And obviously the adjustments we've been preaching all season, the last stretch of games, and, you know, we'll see what happens. And the dogs came out red hot in the second half. Um, Huge run. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, I guess, for a huge lead. It was maybe like, yeah, it was a 14-3 to run. When we took a seven-point lead, after Trent hit a big three at the 14-18 mark, and then all of a sudden it was gone. And, it, you know, they got really close, and then all of a sudden they had a lead again, you know, late in the game. And, uh, you know, due to this foul trouble, we ended up seeing R.J. McGee come in. And, you know, a couple of plays, you know, obviously you see the good and the bad, and I'm not too frustrated with the bad part of it. The good part of it was he got an offensive rebound off a missed free throw and put it back. And then the bad of it was he – they were throwing an inbounds pass and he was trying to be too aggressive and try to steal it and ended up leading to them hitting a three. Uh, you know, that was kind of aggressiveness. So I think that's just how he plays. And again, you don't want to, and which is what we do. We, you know, don't, you know, uh, have the advantages and let guys play the way they do. They, they come here and they fit into what we do and we don't let them kind of be themselves. And maybe it was an over-aggressive play, but it's kind of, again, how he kind of plays. And, um, you know, he was in for this stretch and then he wasn't and obviously preaching after the game about you need depth to win and it shouldn't take 55, you know, for us, what it was a 26 foul game for us to, uh, you know, have to do something like that. You know, Jarrett played and Jarrett made one of the biggest plays of the game on defense near the very end and, you know, scored a little bit. And then, uh, you know, Trey Miller barely played and the depth itself, uh, but it was really led by two guys, only guys in double figures. And then Trent struggled a lot. He didn't have any shots within the three-point line. Two of ten did have two of them, though. Like I said, some of the big ones there. Didn't have a whole lot of guys in positive in the first half, and we ended up with a lot in the second half. Um, but, again, that run, and I mean, you know it shows again, clearly the home ones when you're up 23 and you're up 11 a couple times at home, you're up by, you know, seven and eight respectively, you know, halfway through the second half and you think you can hold it against a team like this and you blow it again. And that's what led to us being really, uh, you know, like I said, the kind of suspense set in and really the uneasiness. And uh, just because I'm remembering certain things throughout the game, X got a huge block and transition after a turnover on Marquise Kennedy. Uh, just some of those other things that paid off in this game that mattered. Uh, but again, you AJ broke out in the second half uh scoring a lot and then and then Noah like I said when they took the lead you know down the stretch here and it took not only again the free throws when it was X and Rivera just going absolutely back and forth just hunting hunting fouls uh you know this latter stretch where that's kind of what it was and I think there was a stat that said you know the AJ layup was the only field goal for like the last two to four minutes or something that's how bad it got but no talk about the end of the game and your overall I guess your final things of this game and, 
again, how dicey it really got. And the fact that, again, it, it, it led to, you know, a big out of bounds play for us to really cement it here. But how we finally called back and finally got that final lead again, it was, it was a free throw fest and it took X making big free throws and that he did. Yeah. And we've seen him step up and hit free throws all year long. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he's shooting on the year, but it's definitely one of the best in the conference and he continues to do it. And he's going to, obviously the way he plays getting downhill, like we want him to, he's going to get his opportunities. And yeah, it was, a, it was that free throw fest down the stretch here. Um, between him and Rivera, but it was, I mean, Brian keeps talking about it and X talks about it after the game about this team is continuing to learn how to really finish these games. And obviously we've been in, in a whole lot of them. Darren DeVries talked about it yesterday on the teleconference about feels like every game it's going to come down to the wire for this team. And it has for since that Drake game, it's been every game and we got to, still learning to fight through these games and they're taking this as learning stuff. And at this point in the season, the way this team looks sometimes it's going to take games like this for us to get, get in that W column because right now we're not playing our best basketball, but X and AJ got it done down the stretch. You did those final AJ free throws uh, that were really, that were really huge, obviously. And that led to Rivera's final shot that Jarrett contested and then, you know, they fouled us near the end. And, again, it was off of – that out-of-bounds play was just so critical because it's, okay, well, they would have got the ball again here at the end and it hit off O'Connor. Uh, they had it and they looked at it for a while and then finally had it our way. But just massive plays down the stretch. And, yeah, I'll get to some of those comments. Brian had a lot of comments on the radio and then on the thing that kind of just, you know, is questionable in terms of the kind of team that you've built and what, how far we are into the season, the things you don't really expect to hear. But there are only 29 total fouls in 45 minutes, counting overtime against Missouri State. This is another stat from Luke Martin. And the only games close to that this year for us were 46 fouls against James Madison and New Mexico State and U.S. I both had 43. Yeah, we recall parts of that Screaming Eagles game that was just – you know, it was a blowout, and it was like just way too many fouls down the stretch. But this one was just ridiculous. Again, it's the most we've had all year. I want to say that it's got to be one of the most we've had in a long time. Again, it was just ridiculous. And it ended up being free throws at the end to end up sealing this. So eight, or X with 29, 5 of 15, didn't shoot well from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, but was 18 of 20 from the free throw line. There was another stat with X from the free throw line that's where he ranks all time. He – with his 20, it's a new program record. He passed Chico Vaughn's record of 18 that he did in January of 1960. And X also set the score record for free throw makes with 18. And that was also Chico in, Dece or in December of 1960. And we'll get to more of those things here in a second. X and Trent are on uh, record watch here coming up. But AJ 16, again, that's huge. Six of 10. He, you know, he's been inconsistent a little bit from three. We, again, the Murray game was good. Missouri State was not in this game over two. But he did make his free throws, and he had 10 rebounds. It was a career high or a first career double-double for A.J., 16 and 10. Luke had that post again, and I quoted that A.J. should be in, you know, conversations of the wider scope of so many around the league that are up for, you know, the most improved team around the league. Because even, yeah, Darren was asked about A.J., and a lot of people have been asked about A.J. recently just – Obviously, being that second, yeah, go-to guy for us. So, 
Um, it does stink, though, when you have one and then you have 16. You can't really be that up and down. A lot of games are different, but that's, it just shows you need the consistency as our second-best player to really help us prevail in some of these games. Other than that, no one else really stuck out. We mentioned Troy. Uh, Troy fouled out, and other guys played. Scotty had four points, had a nice dunk in 10 minutes. Uh, but overall, it was a it was a solid finish to the game. I mentioned some things Brian said after the game. Uh, he said it was a tough environment, and I th- I know it's a you know a lot of cliches that they say, and but we had so much more of the fan base. So tough environment. I feel like when you have your own fans there, it doesn't really qualify. Uh, you know, if you were at a place that was sold out on the road, like how Murray was, for example, that's a tough environment. I feel like he copy and paste things that he says. Uh, and he did say, you know, it's hard to win on the road and it's hard to win at home. And it's clearly been hard at home for us to win and it shouldn't be. And that's clearly the games, uh, you know, back that up. It's like the ridiculousness of it. Uh, and then you said there, Noah, he said he, he referenced learning how to win. And I don't know how often, you know, in five years now and then, this season being however many games in that you're still learning how to win. And I know games are different. It's like, well, you learn how to win a game that had 55 fouls compared to, you know, just overall saying learning how to win. It's like, you should already know how to do that. So again, the kind of the, the, I don't want to like pick this apart too much, but it's like the things that stick out to us. It's like, again, you're copying paste and everything, you know, every single game of what you say. And it's kind of, uh, you know, some of it, it really isn't warranted in the moment for some of those things, but um really quickly here to, to wrap this up, more Luke tweets about uh, X. And it's really incredible. We know the score he's been. He's still third in the nation in scoring. But he is now sixth in sing- – he's he's uh, he's near the top five for single-season assists in program history for this season. In only 23 games, he has 139 assists. Again, he's right behind – he is five behind Wayne Abrams and Sterling Mahan for fourth. Kevin Dillard had 146 in 29 games. It's crazy. Darren Brooks, 150 in 35 games in 0405. And then his head coach, Brian Mullins, single season record, 154 assists in 31 games in the 0708 season. X is only, he's only 15 away and he's going to do it. I mean, and X is going to do that like in three or four games, probably, or less than that, knowing just the numbers that he puts up. And again, he's going to do it in less games than anybody. And it just shows he's going to, I feel like he's going to break more records at some point. He, he very well might break. And again, I think he's a little bit behind like a Chico points per game single season. But what he's doing is incredible. He's scoring and he's doing single season assist numbers. That's why I just pray that, again, somehow we're in fourth place right now. And if that stays that way, I know that X has a great chance to win player of the year. If he just does a lot of these things, continues to lead the league, as we've said. And then Trent Brown, we've talked recently about Tony Young being, you know, uh, being all time and most career games played at SIU. 139. Trent Brown is tied with Tony Boyle at 132. We are definitely playing seven more games this season. That's getting close to the end of the regular season, plus Arch Madness. Trent could very well end up with the all-time ranks at SIU with, with games played in his five seasons. We went through what, like his whatever seasons where he didn't play that much either due to injury. So shout out to those guys for breaking records here at SIU. And again, the dogs found a way to win this close game and somehow getting in fourth place. And no other reason why we're in fourth place is because what else happened around the league. Let's talk about those games, what's upcoming, the typical, and then NBC probabilities. And that's how we can cement the idea of where we think we can be the rest of the year. Yeah, it was, it was definitely some interesting games and some blowouts this past weekend. 
Obviously, we everybody had their eyes on the last game of the day, Saturday. But also during that day, Bradley was on the road at Illinois State in their matchup. Mal- Malavai Leon's twenty-three points to lead them past the Redbirds, seventy to seventy-three to sixty. Um, it what that that score is closer than it was actually was. I think it was a nineteen-point game at halftime. Bradley continues to play good basketball for them. I mean, Malavai doing what he was eight for 10, four or five from three. Um, then Darius Hanna finished eight or nine from the floor, had 18 points. And Hickman and Birch both had 10. Point Dexter led for the Redbirds uh, was 16. I think Foster had 10 as well. Murray State goes on the road where only them and Belmont, the OVC schools, have done so far this year in the McLeod Center and blows out the Panthers 71 43. Um, just a big time this is if they're everything's going well for them that's what they can do they can go on the road and win in this league and big big time performance by rob perry 17 points jacoby wood had 14 anderson 12 um bowen born 0 for 5 in this game zero points scored um just only 18 minutes for him in this game so one of those games delete the tape for ben jacobson and move on because um, they got a bigger matchup tomorrow night. Belmont on the road at Missouri State. They fall. They get Jacoby Gillespie back, though, and he looked pretty good, but they still can't get the job done. 87-80 win for the Bears. Continue to roll. Chance Moore officially back, um, having 23 points, 13 rebounds off the bench for them. I mean, if he's playing at that level, they can beat anybody in this league. Mason had 22 as well. Um, Gillespie in his return had 15 points and seven assists off the bench. Um, so getting him back's big for Belmont, but they still can't win a game. Evansville goes on the road and gets a one point victory over Valpo in a very good game. Strawbridge had 14, Schweiger 22 for Valpo. Um, Gillette or not Gillespie, but, um, trying to think of his name. Point guard for Valpo. Uh, Diabaro. Yeah, had a chance to tie it with a free throw late. Um, he missed it, so um, they lose it. Had a chance to send it to overtime there or give Evansville a shot to win it or look at to win it, but they continue. Um, to play tight basketball game, so Valpo's giving everybody their best shot, but Evansville, Hummer Cows backs. He was 3 of 12, 0 for 5 from 3, but him back just spaces the floor out better for them and they can get another win and they continue to rise in the standings in the big game. Drake on the road at Indiana state um, was a really good basketball game. Tucker DeVries got banged up in this one. I went back to the locker room real quick, came back in. He ended up with 26 points, um, but a 75 67 win for the, the trees um, big time. Another sellout crowd for them. 20, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists for Robbie Avila, 21-7 and seven for Ryan Conwell. 6 points, but 20 rebounds for Jason Kent. Him getting 20 boards is unreal. Julian Larry, 16, Swope, 11. Um, was a really good basketball game in front of the – got a lot of attention across the country because, obviously, it came out yesterday, the new AP Top 25, and Indiana State still unranked. Um, I think CBS – and their uh, rankings, they had them at 23, um, but in the AP Top 25, they are 28th in the country. I think they received 59 votes. So, but a lot of Robbie, obviously his looks, just the way he looks and the way he plays, 
getting a lot of love across the country and it's it as long as they continue to take care of business i think they'll be just fine but it was a good weekend across the valley then just to dive into what we have tomorrow night it sucks all the games are almost at one time but we can follow them valpo on the road at indiana state 21 point favorite favorites for the trees murray state versus at belmont belmont a one point favorite on the road that's going to be a good matchup i'm sure their crowd will show out or at least their students will bradley's a nine point favorite on the road at evansville uic on the road at Illinois state redbirds favored by five then missouri state on the road at uni to state see if they can stay hot and see if the panthers can bounce back off a blowout um five and a half point favorites for the panthers on the road or at home yeah, that'll be that'll be the game to watch for us because we'll get into this bulldog matchup. We're not too confident going in there tomorrow, so a lot of things can happen. If Missouri State finds a way to win that game, they're very well be in fourth place. But uh, um, going back to those games you said, I mean, it's so shocking. I, Bowen just hasn't been himself. That's why again, when we're going through our midseason our picks, and it's like, well, Bowen, you know, he does good when he's on, and he did good against us. But some games he'll struggle. Some games he doesn't even play, and it's like. Not sure if he's going to honestly be on any of these teams at the end of the day. Uh, but the fact that he struggles like that at home and Murray is a, I want to say the stats favor Murray State. Like they're one of the best defensive teams in the league, surprisingly. And we know those guards can kind of hound you at times. But if he's not getting going, he doesn't score, you're not going to win. And that led to a, what is that, a 28 point loss, which is kind of crazy. So that helped us again be to the fourth place that we are. Missouri State winning that game. I mean, Belmont, even getting Gillespie back, that means that they're probably at their best. And Missouri State still found a way at home, and they're just rolling 100%. The uh, the uh, 74 series was a really good one. Caught up with a little bit of that game on Bally, uh, you know, after the fact. And it's obviously intense fan bases going at it. And then, yeah, Diabar, if he makes that other one, they go to overtime, and then who knows what happens. That's tough for Valpo because they could be racking up so many of these wins. They're playing as many close games as us and a lot of other teams in the league. And then the matinee was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Drake was down 17. Tucker did come out, as you said, kind of rolled his ankle, came back, and then was phenomenal. But it was great. Drake had a couple leads throughout the game, and then it was tied until like the two minutes left or under two minutes. Robbie hit a huge top of the key three that kind of put them ahead for good. Uh, yeah, Kent was great. Sturt was talking about him, about just – he literally said when 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 Kent got here, he was only averaging like two and a half rebounds a game, and he said, "We're going to change that for you." And I don't, last year, I think he was okay at it, but this year he's been another level. So they've groomed him to be a phenomenal player. Uh, and then, yeah, we said Barstool earlier. Barstool's hottest podcast, pardon my take, best podcast. Talked about Robbie recently, and everyone's favoring him. And you know, a lot of people were tweeting about what Lenardi said that it takes Indiana State the most unrealistic thing ever to be in an at-large if they don't win Arch Madness and it's, and it's preposterous because they deserve it just as much as anybody else. And we talked about, you know, they should have maybe won Michigan State, one of Michigan State or Alabama, and you told me, and it's true, Robbie didn't even play against Alabama and they had a good chance in that game. And I think if they played each other right now, Indiana State might win. Uh, so it's, it's unfair to them, but Robbie is getting talked about, and I think the NCAA would say we want this guy in, in the tournament if they look Get it that way. I know they do. And hopefully they just earn it by the end of the day and don't get screwed. Uh, so really good games this past week. And you're right. We need to have them on Tuesday and Wednesday and then Saturday and Sunday. Quit doing them all at the same time each day. It's ridiculous. Yeah, big games coming up this weekend again. That 
that game in Cedar Falls will be the one where we're eyeing most. Murray at Belmont's an interesting one, too. Again, with us teams in the middle of the pack here, fighting for the fourth spot, all games are important. Uh, quickly, the standings. Uh, Indiana State, two-game lead now, 11-1. and one. Drake and Bradley are now tied at 9-3, and three, and they've yet to play each other. they got two games coming up the rest of the season. And speaking of that, the very end of the season, they'll be fighting for the two-spot. The league intended on those two being the teams to beat this year, and that's how it was designed. Us, the only seven and five team, you and I, Murray and Missouri State at six and six, Evansville, Belmont, Illinois State at five and seven, and then Valpo two and ten, UIC one and eleven. Uh, so again, we escaped escaped losing to a one and ten team. Uh, so that's what happened around that. Uh, did see that JD Mula has been dominating overseas. Noah, you said that to me off Instagram. He's scoring 35, 15 to 20 rebounds, six assists, five steals, five blocks. It's like that's Wilt Chamberlain numbers that J.D. Mula's putting up overseas, and it's just crazy. Again, when they leave here, they just do different things, and he's been phenomenal. So shout out to J.D. We'll keep up with him. We've been keeping up with other former Salukis, as we know, this season. Uh, so there's that. No, we need to address this before we talk about Drake because it came to our attention you sent to me that we did see our very own Clarence Rupert post on his Instagram uh, that he had a family member pass away, his father. Uh, and we were talking, it's, you know, he needs to take all the time that he needs, um, you know, and very well means we, we won't probably have him this week. And that is 100% what needs to happen. He needs to take the time if he does and address this and everything. So I don't know if anybody knows this, the team's not going to, not going to talk about it, but we very well could be without uh, Clarence here tomorrow and then coming up, which again is rightfully so. So wanted to get that out there. Might not have Clarence this week for uh, understandable reasons. So, no, let's talk about uh, the Bulldogs here. For the second matchup, again, it's a matchup we're not, you know, confident in going into. Not only did they just lose a tough game that they for sure want to, uh, you know, get back at whoever. Not only that, they're on a 17-game home winning streak. And they've been tested there at times, but not really. We haven't won there since Brian's first year, uh, you know, and just what they've done to us and their years past. We were so hot going in there last year, and they destroyed us. And, no, I think that's what we can kind of predict again tomorrow. If you have a spread already, just because I'm thinking about it, we're taking the under for it, especially if we don't have a clearance potentially. It could get ugly, and that's what we're thinking. Uh, let's talk about the, the Bulldogs here for the second time. Yeah, obviously everybody remembers them coming in. And uh, beating us by 18, um, that first that first matchup in front of 6,000 fans there at the Banterra Center. Um, obviously, Tucker came in, and outside of backdoor cuts, they were killing us on. He got what he wanted, and he had 34 points and seven rebounds. And uh, that's when I tweeted out that the, the real player of the year had showed up in Carbondale, and he did uh, X, had 19 points that night, five assists. But, I mean, Tucker, the defending – player of the year showed up that night and continues he's been banged up i i made the joke in my group chat the other day when he when he got banged up and came out i said i i think they should rest him on wednesday night joking around because with with what else they have obviously we all know anton wright bullet guard that really good scorer can score at all levels and we know darnell brody we know connor and wright we know the, the stud freshman they got and Kevin Overton and Colby Garland didn't play the other night for them. Um, Kyron Gibson stepped up. Nate Ferguson played a lot of minutes at Indiana State with um, just a matchup with Avila and Brody got in a little bit of foul trouble. But 
This is a team, like you said, they have the third nation's longest home win streak. It's a tough place to play. It feels like it never goes right up there. Um, I think the last time, I think Luke tweeted out, the last time he won was Brian's first year up there. Um, so I'll, our style of play is the type of games we can go into places like this and um, squeak one out or just make it close. But um, we are we are 10-point underdogs in this one. Um, I think – I think you could cover that, but like you said, whatever the Clarence situation is, we'll obviously find out probably more to more closer to the game, listen to the pregame and stuff like that. The over-under is 138, um, but I think we can come together and find a way. I think um, if Clarence is out, that's more, more minutes for Scotty, and I, I'd like to see uh, Jared get more minutes as well, see what they do, hopefully – they don't go try to go to small if that's the case because Darnell will just get what he wants. And obviously we have a lot of the tape to look at with the backdoor cuts and fix that stuff, stop overplaying those. But um, it's going to be a tough game. Um, I think we can cover the 10 because I just, this is the style of game. We can slow it down and find a way. But if I were to go, go with a dog of the game, I'm going with Scotty and Bube, uh, especially with the Clarence situation. I think uh, either way, if Clarence is there, and playing, I think Scotty could be big off the bench. 100%. And even, like I said, if Clarence for sure isn't there, that seemed like Scotty would start and you'd have Jared or vice versa. I mean, I wouldn't start Jared on Brody. You have to start Scotty on Brody uh, and then rely on like a Jared and Nate Ferguson kind of thing. But it, it could be interesting seeing, you know, what could happen with that. And, you know, there's a part of me that wants to believe also we could cover, you know, get within 10 points as well. It's just knowing, again, if they're pissed off about what they did and, if we're out, you know, out, you know, we don't have some of our key guys. It could get ugly. I just feel like it'd be so like this team. And it's been like this team under Brian where if we just, if we're overconfident, they break our heart. If we're like, you know, you know, don't have any hope at all or, you know, no confidence, they end up surprising us and doing something like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we keep this close, but uh, imagine this team and the way they've struggled ruin that win streak. It's not going to happen. More than likely, it would just be, it would be crazy. And this seems like a big game because you also said there, and what I was going to end with as well, was the backdoor cuts why we lost. You you weren't at that game on the last one, and we were just talking throughout. And it's like, we can't stop the backdoor. And we were keeping it close until we didn't. Besides Tucker making just abnormal shots, I mean, his shots, you know, that we couldn't stop the backdoor. They were living in the paint kind of thing. And that's just kind of what we have to change. That's, yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, don't overplay and just – I don't even know. It, it, you clearly just have to play better than you did. And the fact that you're going into that environment just doesn't bode well at all. Uh, you pick Scotty. I'm going to pick Jarrett for that reason alone. If you know, we got to rely on some bigs and Jarrett. Uh, just he, and again, we talked on the last episode about, you know, and he barely did anything in this past game. Again, at this game, for sure, if the situation holds, he's got to do more and he, he needs to, he needs to score. We need him to, to do more offensively, and they need him to do more. So I'm hoping he can get hopefully maybe like five to ten points in his certain moments and be well for us. And it's definitely a big kind of game because other than that, we do expect probably Garland to be back, and they're just going to be – they're going to be set and ready to go. They're an 82% matchup predictor according to ESPN. So ESPN Plus, 7 o'clock along with the other games. Again, keep an eye out. If we can keep it close, try to win. If we don't – if the Bears get it done, the Missouri State Bears will be in fourth place after everything that they've they've been to too. So a lot of key games going around. Uh, and again, it's you know if if we're having these tough stretches, these are the kind of games you know that cement your bad play and keep 
you know, making you have that bad play. We're hoping the dogs can fight hard and try to win. And if you do lose, keep it close. Again, it's a tough ask for being in that building. We'll see what the dogs see what the dogs do with some other games coming up here soon. We're back at home next weekend. Excited to talk about the Blackout for Cancer game, but fighting this one and try to come out with the win. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. It might look bleak, but we'll see if they can do it. Go dogs.